welcome to Atlanta Mix 108. Up next is Author Talk with your host, Emma Roostrack. My name's Ken, and I own Good Start Packaging in Bedford, New Hampshire. With my Spark Cash Card from Capital One, I earn unlimited 2% cash back on all my business purchases. And last year, that added up to $36,000 in cash back. That's right, $36,000. Thanks to that, I was able to offer health care to my employees. The Spark Cash Card did a lot for my business. Imagine what it could do for yours. What's in your wallet? Real Capital One customers pay for real stories. Credit approval required. Welcome, Atlanta, to another edition of Author Talk. I'm your host, Emma Wustrak, and I'm here with Alan Thompson. Welcome. Thank you, Melissa. It's great to be here. Now, we have your wonderful self-published, 100% self-published book, Creation <laughs> Abomination. Correct. Did That's I the name. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, you did. It's Creation Abomination. I always want to put another word in there. I don't know why, but, yeah, this one gets a little technical and makes you think a little bit. It does. It does. There's definitely a a, a strong uh, science kind of component to it, uh, and it's it's based on uh, actually very uh, factual uh, and real science, so that kind of adds to the plausibility of the book and and also just uh, kind of increases uh, the realism quite a bit. Right. I mean – where in the book did you go, oh, hey, wait a minute, this is actually taking place in w- real life to an extent. So yes. are we creating life? Does the life that we create, does it have a soul? Does it, where do we, we stop? And it makes you think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does. So the so creation abomination, um, it's a, uh, I like to refer to it as a supernatural science fiction thriller. And uh, it has to do with cloning good versus evil. It has moral and ethical dilemmas and it gets, uh, I like to describe it as getting really creepy. And uh, usually when I tell people that I get, you know, sometimes get a little laugh and that just, that makes me feel good because a lot of times when people, they, they kind of laugh at that, they, that usually shows that they really like books that get suspenseful. And it's, it's not creepy in the standpoint, it's not like horror or things like that, uh, but it's, it's very suspenseful. And uh, the realism of it is what adds a lot to the, creep, to, a lot to the creepiness. Right. It it makes us really think about what's going on today because we're already taking cloning to sheep and other animals. Where mm-hmm. do we start with human cloning and where do we stop at that point? Because we're starting, I believe, testing for growing organs and petri dishes. We are. We totally are. 
so then you have this book, and it makes you really stop and think about what's going on in science today. Right, and that was a lot of the a lot of the point uh, when I when I you know finally kind of convinced myself I really was going to you know bear down and write this book. Um, it is I spent uh, about six years doing research, uh, not doing research, six years total in writing the book, and about a year of it on the front end of it was doing research. And so I did a lot of time reading scientific journals and reading studies and understanding uh, the science behind cloning and what was you know really plausible. And when I uh, had the timeline of the book built out. Uh, the book starts out uh, modern day. It starts at literally the calendar I came up with. It started in February of 2018. And then what happens is so you have that chapter, uh, which kind of gets you really hooked on the book, and then it takes you back 14 years previously. And then it takes you all through kind of the exploration process. Uh, it develops the characters. It builds the plot. And it takes you back to where we are present day, and then it goes beyond that. It's a very – it's technical, but in a way that makes sense to the average reader. Right. That was that was one of the things which uh, was a little bit of a challenge in writing it. Is I wanted to make sure that the the science was accurate because it drives me nuts when uh, you're reading a book or say you're watching a movie and uh, you see something that happens or you read something and you're like, okay, I know a little bit about that, and that really would never happen. And so it was important to me to make sure that it was plausible and realistic. And uh, but as part of that, then I also want to make sure that it was accessible. I didn't want it to be, oh, I'm I'm like trying to read a textbook or trying to understand something which is like really far over somebody's head. And so I I wrote it in such a way that it was going to be more easily understood uh, by pretty much everybody who reads it. And I think you did a terrific job doing that. Now with Thank this you. book, are are you making a sequel or maybe a prequel in this matter? So there, there is a sequel. So this is the first of a three-book series, and uh, the second one is actually going to be coming out in Christmas of next year. So I, I published this book in March of this year. I've done you know, really well so far just in terms of book sales and uh, reviews uh, on Amazon and on uh, Goodreads and things like that. Uh, I'm getting a lot of positive feedback from fans, and, and one of the, the more consistent pieces of feedback that I get is people who are uh, replying back or commenting saying, hey, this is great. When does the next book come out? This is killing me. We have to have the next book. So I already have the, uh, the storyline and everything pretty much worked out. I'm really just deciding now between what's going to uh, – hit in where, where the second book is going to end and where the third book is going to begin. Uh, so it has a good uh, logical break. And then also I don't want it to, I don't want it to have like the, the cliffhanger where it leaves people just kind of like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what happened. It just, and it left something unresolved. And so even in my first book, uh, I made certain that the book had resolution. And so it took care of that and it just left the reader really hungry and wanting more, wanting to find out what happens next. Exactly. I found that with my first book. I left it at a cliffhanger. Then mm -hmm. I irritated my readers by doing a prequel <laughs> that happened 3,000 years before the book that they just read. So now the third book's out and it's filling in the gap of that 3,000 years and they're like, give us the ending to the cliffhanger. I'm like, no, you have to right. read one more book. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> But now that they're reading the third book, they're like, this takes your first book and gives a new meaning to everything we already read. Right. Right. So, it has a lot more clarity, a lot more clarification to it. 
Well, it takes everything they read and turns it upside down and tears it apart. Oh. And they have to reread it to figure out where the final book is going. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I love playing with the readers like that. So. Uh huh. <laughs> but yeah, that's one that of the thing, one of the things I'm. Sorry, I was just I was just saying that one of the things that I'm uh, uh, planning uh, in the second book is there will be flashbacks to the first book and to the first storyline in the plot uh, where readers weren't really exposed to something because there, there's like time periods where you may you may jump ahead six months. Uh, in the storyline, and you don't know some of the specifics, but in the second book, I will actually be going back and filling in some of those gaps, and it's going to really actually add quite a bit to the storyline and a lot to the complexity of the characters and what they're dealing with. I think going back in the second book to fill in gaps from your first book is terrific. Like I said, I did that with mine, but a lot of other big-name authors do this now, too, and it Mm -hmm. gives us clarity and makes the characters more three-dimensional. Right. Very much. So, I'm glad you, you're doing that. So. Yeah. Unfor- so unfortunately, it's inter- I, haven't, I haven't got to the end of the book yet. I got about halfway through. But Okay. Yeah. Have you gotten I, to I Chapter wanna, 23 yet? I'm on 21. So... Okay, so when you when you get to so you have to make your promise. This is this is what I love about uh, this book, and it's actually it's interesting. the the uh, The writing process that I went through is uh, uh, you know rather than uh, and this is and I don't this I don't know if this is an approach that a lot of authors take, uh, but what I did is I kind of started with the end in mind, and the first chapter I wrote was really what was the pinnacle or kind of the key chapter in the whole book. And so I wrote that, and then I went back to the beginning and then filled in all the gaps. Um, oh, and uh, go ahead. There's there's a big author that does that, and the style that I started with my book as well, you write the last chapter, you have the end, you may have to tweak mm-hmm. a little bit, but then you go back yeah. and you build up. It, it's a wonderful writing style and clarifies right. everything. Yeah, so I was talking about chapter 23. Uh, so mm-hmm. chapter 23, it's called it's called Night of Nights, and uh, so whenever I talk to people, they're like, okay, I really I really like the suspenseful books. I really like the creepy books. I'm like, okay, well you have to make me a promise. You have to read Night of Nights at night right before you go to bed, and then you have to let me know how long it took you to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll have to remember that with the story You'll definitely have to do that. now here. It, it yeah. <laughs> That will definitely add to it, right? <laughs> exactly. You have the stormy season. You have the night. Yeah. My husband's right. really going to thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, well, maybe he will. <laughs> but uh, can I can I tell you a little bit? Just can I just share a little bit about the premise of Creation Abomination? So, go ahead. Cool. So the the premise of Creation Abomination. So the main character, and as you know, his, his name is William, and he's working on his doctorate at the University of Southern California. And uh, he has a thesis, and his thesis is to be able to heal injuries to the human body that are normal, normally irreparable, you know, like brain damage or spinal cord damage, things like that, using adult stem cells. And this, this totally doesn't work for him. It, it totally fails. But what he figures out is that he can do it with embryonic stem cells. Uh, but there's a really big catch here. And what the catch is, the embryonic stem cells, they have to come from the person who is in need of healing. 
Now, that's, that always, when I describe people, they always pause and kind of look at me and say, well, how is that possible? And I go, exactly. There's a big issue with that. You know, you think about, you know, people who are walking around right now, there's not one person alive who's walking around that has these embryonic stem cells. They're called pluripotent cells. They only exist for an 18-hour window in the formation of an embryo. And so he comes to the conclusion he has to create a human embryonic clone, harvest the cells from the embryo, which destroys the embryo in the process. And that so, and that is that's where it takes off. Exactly. Then you have the whole thing. The whole issue is the embryo at that point because it's teen hours. Uh-huh. So, is it a right. person? Is it not a person? And you have to have that moral issue there as well. Exactly. You you know it's it brings up some really. Uh, you know, it really brings up some key questions, and these are things which, you know, like you were alluding to at the very beginning, or not even alluding, you said very directly at the beginning of our discussion, is that, you know, we may be facing this in, uh, you know, a month, in a year, in three years, and, you know, that's things, you know, such as, you know, can we create a cloned life form? You know, should we create that life form? Uh, if you did, would that life form have a soul? And then, you know, and really even fundamentally, what's the implications upon, you know, like religious foundation of societies worldwide? Exactly. Every religion has a different view on this or Mm -hmm. nearly a different view. A lot of them are very similar from what I've been talking to a lot of people on. But at the same time, if it's created in a petri dish, is this actually Mm -hmm. human at that point? And then you have the whole discussion Yes, no, maybe. Do we right. do this? Do we not do this? Right. It's just something that, in all reality, by the time my daughter gets to our ages, mm-hmm. it could be her reality. It absolutely could be. That's right. And so, and that's, and that was probably. I mean, it was that was kind of a challenge for me. Is I wanted to uh, write the book. Uh, I wanted to write Creation Abomination in such a way that uh, I was leaving it up to the reader to uh, make up their own decision. That, you know, they, you know, based on uh, the information that they know, for them to kind of, you know, really have that introspection on themselves to, you know, figure out, you know, how do I feel about this? You know, this is, it's such a key issue and, and we will be facing it. So, you know, really, how would I react? What would my position be? Exactly. Gripping from a moral standpoint, then you have the whole, okay, it's just a book state of mind. Because there are readers out there that go, oh, this is just a book. It's not really happening, regardless <laughs> of how much scientific evidence you give them from the contrary. Right. And then you have that discussion. It, oh, it's a good book. Here's this. But they're going to run into someone that goes, yeah, they're already cloning Lungs, livers, pancreas, mm-hmm. whatever, and pink, pe- petri dishes. Sorry, I can't talk today. And oh, no worries. The whole, it, it's coming to light, and it's a scary thing that your book is so spot on what's going on <laughs> now and what's going to happen in the next 20 years, give or take. Right. Right. And that's, and that's, you know, that's the foundation of that, of the first book. And then, you know, the series progresses, it's, it's really going to take us through, uh, you know, 
as and, and basically kind of frame it up uh, in the landscape of the world and modern day. And, you know, I carry the storyline forward in terms of how people are reacting and then what events does it put in motion and, you know, and, and what and what is actually happening to, uh, you know, societies worldwide. Exactly. Then we go, there's another dilemma too. If you have your own cells or your own clone and you, you mm-hmm. harvest and then you use that, are you killing yourself in an essence or... What is it? Is exactly. It? Yeah, it's like it's like am, am I somehow am I murdering myself? Uh, I mean, granted, it's an it, it is an embryo, but it it's it is it's an exact embryo replica of you. Uh, so like you know, for me, I'm 47 years old. So 47 years plus nine months, you know, plus or minus a couple hours, who knows? Uh, yeah. That was me. That was the exact shape form that I was. And mm-hmm. by doing this process, you're essentially you you are eliminating the ability uh, of the embryo to have uh, any opportunity to then continue to progress and to uh, you know be a, a person. Right. It, it raises so many so many questions, but again, it's a sci-fi sci-fi thriller. But you're so spot on with your research. Mm-hmm. Right, so, and the the supernatural the supernatural component of it that's that's kind of the fun part to me, is mm-hmm. uh, the whole book was really fun. I really enjoyed writing it, but definitely on the supernatural side. So on the the book cover, um, I ha- I depict uh, angels and demons, and I show and the artwork. I, I actually had a freelancer in Serbia who did a wonderful job, just incredibly awesome job, uh, creating this for me. And the angels and demons that you see there, as you can probably already start, you know, coming up with, and you've seen this in the book because you've been reading it already. Um, but uh, the listeners, they can probably start imagining, hey, I can actually see where the angels and demons would play a part in a plot or in a storyline like this. And they actually uh, are, you know, more or less kind of active participants, you know, nudging, sometimes pushing the plot forward. And uh, I thought that was a really neat element to to mix accurate science along with more of the supernatural, some of the religious kind of views and concepts, and to have those exist in a story where they do actually uh, coexist and support one another. Yeah, and you do this so flawlessly, it's surreal. (laughs) 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 Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very amazed by you doing this 100%. self-publishing that someone hasn't read this and said i want you to sign with my house i'm, I'm very <laughs> well, i would love that, that. <laughs> I, I i would definitely love that but it was uh and it's, it's kind of a story of uh i think a lot of the independent authors who go to self-publish it's you know you first of all you come up with a you come up with a story you come up with a novel and you know and then it's like okay i hope it's good I don't know if it's good. I, th- I think it's a good story, but, you know, I don't have that validation. You always self-doubt yourself. And then, exactly. so I get it out there, and I'm, okay, and I'm selling books, I'm selling copies, but it's it's a slow go. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, now I've, I've sold, I mean, I've sold over 500, which is great. Um, and, I mean, I, I would love it to be huge, but, you know, it's, it's, it's all self-published kind of a thing. I'm at the point now where the reviews that I've gotten, um, you know, make me feel, okay, this is a good book. Uh, you know, if I like, if I go on Amazon, I've had 16 reviews on there, and that's a 4.9 out of five, uh, which right. is great. I'm looking at so then it becomes. Right now, 
<laughs> and they're fun. I mean, and some of them, and that, and that's like that's my favorite part about this whole thing, is, uh, is you know, I get excited about the book, but then I see someone who's read it, and uh, I see I see their response and their excitement, and oh my gosh, this was this was such a great book, and I love how you did this. Uh, and you know they're expressing I want to, I want the next one to come out. Uh, it just it, it makes me, it excites me, and but then that's also the challenge is because now uh, I need to figure out how best do I get visibility, how best do I share, and that's why this is so wonderful uh, the show that you provide to uh, independent authors to you know get that exposure to share you know uh, something that was I worked on so hard with a very large audience so they can get exposed to it and and read it and love it as well right and it's so important for me to bring independent authors bring mainstream authors bring all the authors here and get mm-hmm. all exposure but more so with the independent or the indie authors because you don't have access like some of the mainstream mm-hmm. publishing houses do we don't have access to the big billboards on the highways and stuff like that. Right. Right. Well, we do. We just don't have the money. Well, we do, do but we don't want to mortgage my house. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, we have to do it cost effectively. Yeah, and it, so it's very important for shows, not just mine, but there's others out there that do this for the authors in the indie community. Mm-hmm. It's so great to be able to touch base with talented authors. Thanks. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So do you have a website, Facebook, or some place where our listeners can communicate with you? Absolutely. So I have I have all of the above. So I have a Facebook page. It is you just go to uh, Facebook and do a search on Creation Abomination, and I'll be the first one that pops up. And honestly, if you if you go on to Google and if you just type creation abomination, uh, this is the – actually, I, I did a lot of digital marketing advertising during my career. You do a search on creation abomination on Google, and I, I'm like the first nine entries that come up. Uh, I even come up above Marvel with one of their characters, Abomination Creation. Uh, which I'm, I, that, that makes me happy, <laughs> but uh, yeah. you can definitely uh, so you can find me on Facebook, Creation Abomination. Uh, my website is www.creationabomination.com, and you can definitely purchase uh, digital and paperback on Amazon. Just go on to Amazon, do a search on Creation Abomination, and I also have hardcovers available on Barnes and Noble. Awesome, because hardcovers are very rare with indie books, so that's very mm-hmm. important to have. Yeah, I totally agree. I I love my paper bags because I can sit here and I I can <laughs> read them in bed and whatever. But I love my hardbacks just for when I'm doing collections. Yeah, well, there's a, there's just a different feel to it, right? You know, you you have a yeah. paperback, and paperbacks are great, but hardcovers. I just I, mean, I like just get hardcovers, hold them. I like the smell them, uh, and it might sound a little weird, but I do. It's just like, oh, this is like a killer book, and uh, you know, oh, I've you're got a authors. Smeller too. Huh? <laughs> you're a smeller too. I am. I'm a smeller too. So I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm not that strange. <laughs> No, but no. it is. It's, I, it's I, great to hold it and thumb through, and uh, just the feel of them is just so much nicer. Uh, although yeah. they they do hurt if you fall asleep and you kind of drop it on your forehead at night. So uh, paperbacks are a little easier. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just 
you fall asleep on a paperback, you can usually get a little bit comfortable where a hardback you can't do that. So, yes, it is fun. But no, I have a library in my house that I, if anyone walks into a library, you know the smell of paper. That is my library. That's also part <laughs> of my studio. So mm-hmm. I'm always surrounded by my books. Yep. Yeah, I've I've I definitely with the with the hardcovers in particular, like the the ones that are my my favorite authors, I uh get those in hardcover and then they stay on the bookshelf and the paperbacks are the ones I generally I lo- I'm comfortable loaning out, but the the hardcovers are the ones ah, I don't know necessarily I'm gonna oh, I guess I'll if you promise not to hurt it, then I'll let you borrow it. Yeah, see me my books, I have to buy two copies of a lot of my books. One copy mm-hmm. is for me, one copy is for my daughter. Mm-hmm. We tried sharing books before, and <laughs> that doesn't work very well. She's one of those that they fold the corners down in the book. Dog ear them, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I can't disgrace my books like that. <laughs> so, I'm the I'm so, the same way. If, if someone if I have a dog ear in my book, it's like, oh, that was a that was an accident. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. She now has her collection, and I have right. my collection, and a lot of her books I have to rebuy after about five years. Because but, then that's, but that's them. a good problem to have, though. That's a good problem to have yeah. because that means she's reading a lot. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yes. But also, like, she's reading a lot of the same book, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they would last longer if she didn't dog ear it. True. So. Totally true, but you know, kids. It, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they don't make the best decisions. <laughs> I'm hoping in the next ten years she'll learn not to do that. But right, who knows? she'll take care of She's him. She's reading. She's reading. Follow mom's She's example. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's okay. I mean, she <laughs> is my editor, so I I give her a little slack. But still. oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, editing. That was that was a huge surprise to me. The whole editing process. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That was, I mean, literally it took, it took, oh, it took like a year and a half almost mm-hmm. to go through it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I did it and I was so close to it and I had my wife do it and then I had several friends do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I finally had a friend who uh, actually was like a, in the publishing industry. And so uh, that was like, it was awesome. It, it cost me $200 PF chain gift cards and he did a complete edit of my book. I was like, that's the best deal on the planet. Here you go. <laughs> Um, I have her do it for all the grammar and punctuation. Then I have my publishing house. They do the Mm -hmm. majority of the editing. But for, I find I don't do my own because I want to read what I think is there instead of reading what is there. Right. So I don't do my own. Yeah. I I try doing doing that and it does not work. So. It totally doesn't because you you. Yeah, you totally. That, that's that was my big issue. Is I like I read through it. I'm like, okay, it looks great. And then my wife picked it up, started reading. She's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what were you thinking? It's like, oh, I just I kind of filled in the gaps, you know, as I was reading. I'm like, oh, this is what it's supposed to say. Yeah, I have like my very first edition of my very first book. I have 
print it out, and I have that as a notebook, basically, with all my notes. Mm-hmm. I should have collected this and this, should have been this. Right. And I was like, how did I miss all of these the first time? Oh, yeah. So, it was heartbreaking, but at the same time, I I learned from experience. I don't do that. I let the professionals mm-hmm. handle that. <laughs> so right. But yeah, my basic biggest obstacle right now is doing the translations for other people into other languages, and they give oh, me wow. they're completely right. edited. <laughs> no, I, no, it's I not. Find, no, it's not. I'm like really. I'm not an editor. I'll do it. I can for other languages, but I prefer have a already edited copy to make my job just a little easier. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd even want to attempt trying to translate. The only other language that I know somewhat is I know French, but that's like high school textbook French, and so it would be a, a pretty miserable translation if I tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's tedious after a while, but it's fun and gives you a new light on what you're reading from your favorite authors. So. Right. Have you translated yeah. several books doing that? or? I, um, I have my my books completely translated in a total of nine languages. English, wow. English being the first one. And I'm working on my entire publishing house right now doing Italian and French. Wow all together that's an undertaking <laughs> just a little bit and then on top yeah. of that I, there's one I'm translating into Spanish as well so. mm-hmm. well what makes it so hard is you got to figure out how uh, you know, you you know what what you're you know how to say it in English, but then when you translate that, if you literally translate to another language, it completely says a different thing, or it, tra- it conveys the wrong meaning. And so you have to know, okay, this is the nuance. This is how I need to actually shift that so they can understand it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's very tedious work, and it takes about six to eight weeks to do fifty thousand words, give or take. Wow. And. It's very tedious, but at the same time, when you're reading it in the foreign languages that are completed, mm-hmm. you have almost mm-hmm. a completely different book. Hmm. It means the same. It's the same author, same thing, but when you're reading it in the other language, you almost have a different book because of all the nuances to change all the languages. Interesting. But that's about all the time we have for today. Okay. Well, it's been great talking with you. Yeah, this has been a very riveting conversation. As I said, your book is so spot on with so many different things. We could be here for hours, but (laughs) I can't wait for the second book. Well, thank you. I will... I will definitely have to uh, reach out and uh, maybe even send you a, a pre-published copy and get, get you to read it and give me some feedback. I can do that because I do book reviews all the time as well. Um, <laughs> so I thank you, and I look forward to your books, seriously. <laughs> thank you so uh, much. I really appreciate it, Melissa. You're welcome. And Alana, good night, happy reading, and again, creation abomination. Good night.
Good night.